0: I'm very excited this morning though, we've been uh, doing a great series, it's, it's been great for me, we're doing Believe Part 3, The Miracle of Christmas, uh, and as I was praying, getting ready this week, I just felt like the Holy Spirit said that uh, God is re- literally renewing our faith through this series, uh, actually not just renewing it, giving us a, restoring it to a childlike faith. Amen. And I can attest to that. And isn't that amazing that God's restoring us adults, giving us a, a childlike faith in this season where it's all about the children? And isn't it the, the, the faith of a child an amazing thing? Things can change. Amen. Us grownups need to have a childlike faith. Amen. And so I'm excited uh, to dive in a little deeper today. But before we do, go ahead, look at your neighbor. Don't freak him out or nothing. Go ahead and say, I believe. I believe. Y'all sound good. Now go ahead and look at your other neighbor. <clears throat> Don't tell them that uh, you were their second choice. <laughs> Amen. And let's say it again. Tell them I believe. I believe. Y'all sound good. And I say it together as a church family. I, I believe. believe. Amen. And so let's look at that first point. We had said uh, a couple weeks ago. We started out and said when we believe in the miracle of Christmas. Something has to happen to our faith, right? It sets a new precedence to our faith. When we, when, You know, I, I believe we, we, we kind of subconsciously just become accustomed to the miracle of Christ, Christmas. You know, uh, it truly is a miraculous thing, but we kind of just live for Christ long enough and we kind of become des, desensitized to what it truly means. Amen? And so when we believe in, in the miracle of Christmas... It sets a new precedence. It raises the bar of our faith, right? Sometimes we start out with something, something we're praying, believing God to do, and we set a real high standard, right? A real high faith element, God, I'm believing. And you do that, and you stand in that place, in that gap of faith for a while, and nothing happens. So we kind of, well, God, okay, I'm gonna believe for this, right? We do that for a while, and and don't, nothing happens, it doesn't feel like it, so we kind of just keep lowering the bar of our faith, amen? So we had said, when we believe in the miracle of Christmas, that this has to change, that it has to restore our faith, amen? It has to reignite our faith. So some of our our fires of faith are like dwindled down to a kindle, amen? God wants to restore us, and, and he wants us not to just restore us, he wants to use us to be contagious. To, to the other people around us. You know, when, when you're on fire for God, the people around you can't help but get on fire for God. Amen. It's contagious. Amen. And so I just uh, feel like that's what God's been doing through this series. Let's look at that next point. And we have said it ultimately and most importantly that when we believe in the miracle of Christmas, we have to believe that the impossible is possible. Amen. We, what do we do? We looked at all the impossibilities of the of the birth of Jesus. Let's just start with Mother Mary. She was a virgin, right? We know that uh, you physically cannot make a baby. A virgin cannot physically make a baby unless there's some contact. Amen. We know that is physically impossible. Uh, just think back to when you were dating your spouse, guys, and if you loved your girlfriend or. Uh, really liked your girlfriend, and y'all were doing pretty good. And one day she turned to you and said, You know, I just really like you. I love you. But I have something I have to tell you. You know, I'm a virgin, but uh, I, I'm pregnant. <laughs> you would run for the hills, right? You would not believe a word she said, right? <laughs> Don't sit there and look all holy at me. <laughs> if my amazing, beautiful wife, Jessica, would have told me that, I would have been, I'd have said, You're crazy. Even though she is the pastor's daughter. (laughs) Amen. She is anointed, but I don't know if she's that anointed. (laughs) Amen. So that is an impossibility that God made possible, right? We looked at just the uh, the prophecies alone that Jesus fulfilled. There are 61 prophecies. And we looked at the odds of one man uh, fulfilling 61 prophecies, what it was. It would seem nearly impossible, but it was not 1 million, not 1 billion, but 1 trillion to the 13th power. (laughs) You can't even count to a trillion. It would probably take you like 10 days. I don't even know. So you do that once, times that by 13. (laughs) That's the odds that it would take for one man to fulfill all the prophecies that Jesus fulfilled. God made the impossible possible. Uh, and then also we looked at the supernatural visitations and the stories of the birth of Jesus. You know, the angelic visitations that were supernatural. Uh, the, the archangel that came to Mary and told her that she would conceive and birth the, uh, the Messiah. Amen. Can you imagine? Uh, and the angel that came to Joseph uh, and told him. Amen. The impossibilities made possible the miracle of Christmas. You know, and when we believe this, it reminds us that we have all the faith we ever need, right? Remember when we talked about that? <laughs> That's where I believe God showed me that he's re- literally restoring our, our faith to a childlike faith. Because if we look at this, and we have all confessed that we believe, right, we've got Christians in the house, Amen. we believe in the miracle of Christmas, what I'm talking about. Amen. So if we believe all those impossibilities, when you're in a season that seems impossible, That's all the faith you're ever going to need because if you believe that, if God can do those things, why can't he do those things in your life for that thing that you're believing? If you believe in that, the miracle and birth of Jesus, why can't you believe in the supernatural big things that God, that you're asking and believing God to do in your life? Amen? Do you see where that connects? So it helps us believe big again. Let's look at that next point. We had said, uh, when we believe in a Miracle of Christmas, we have to believe that God knows, say, knows, knows, sees, hears, and cares. God knows us. He knows where we're at. He knows what you're doing. He knows your name. He formed and fashioned you in, it, in your mother's womb and gave you a name. You're the apple in God's eye. And, and we looked at the, 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 the account of the birth of Jesus, and God knew exactly where each person was in the story, right? He showed up to Mary. Where she was, he called her by name. He showed up to Joseph and knew exactly where he was and what he needed to do and called him by name, right? So God does that for us. He knows who you are. He sees you. He cares. Amen? That's got to help our faith, right? He's involved in our lives. Praise God we serve a God that's involved in our lives. When we need him, he's there. You might not feel he is, but he is. But now let me turn it. (laughs) And he's there even when you don't want him to be. (laughs) See, because sometimes we begin to to walk a certain way and and we're like, you know what, God, I got this. Kind of stiff arm God a little bit. We don't do it on purpose, but we do it, don't we? Am I alone in this? God, I got this. He's there. But he meets us right where we're at. But he loves us enough not to keep us there right he loves us enough not to keep us there praise god it's like you know if you were if you were hurt you broke your arm you're you're bleeding you're you're hurt you need some medical help are you going to wait to go to the hospital to get healed so you see if you have a broken heart why why do we think we got to wait to get right before we go to church. You know, God's the the uh, the surgeon of a broken heart. He can fix your pain. The, the church is the hospital for the, the broken, the hurting, the bleeding. <laughs> Amen. You know, so the enemy wants us to think that we got to get right before we can come to God. God knows right where you're at. He doesn't love you any less where you are, but he doesn't want to keep you there. Amen? He wants us to go to him no matter what. Let's look at that next point. We have to know, say no. The enemy will try hard to get us to believe we are irrelevant, insignificant, and that what we do doesn't really matter. So we got to know that the, there's a, there's a, we're in a battle, right? We're in a daily battle. It's not a physical one that you can win physically. It is a spiritual daily battle. Amen? And and we got to know that there is a scheme against your enemy. The enemy does not like you. He hates you. He hates you. Let me say that again. And he wants you to get, get you to think and believe that you're irrelevant, you're insignificant, and that what you do doesn't really matter. But I'm here to tell you that it does. You know, he wants to keep us isolated. He wants to keep us isolated so he can keep us from growing in our faith, and also from expanding the kingdom of God. Because he hates those two things too. He doesn't want to see you grow. He definitely hates the church. And so, if he can get you to think that you need to get right before you can come to God, well, then he can keep you disconnected from God. Amen? And so, I think it was uh, Alexander the Great said, You gotta, to defeat your enemy, you have to know your enemy. And so I'm going to disguise some of his schemes today. He hates you. He hates you. He ain't your friend. He wants to isolate us and keep us from growing. You know, he also wants to keep you in a performance-based mentality. Because, you know, some days you feel really good, (laughs) like you serve God well. Enter in my good and faithful servant. Yes, God. Hit, Hit all the marks today. And then other days, you know, we don't do so hot. Maybe we lacked on our quiet time. We felt distracted. We felt like we missed an opportunity to minister out in the world or we got in an argument with our spouse or yelled at your kids. You just lost your cool. And what happens? When when everything was going good, you felt like you could go to God. That you and Him were tight. But when you messed up, you just felt like you didn't feel like going to God. We don't feel like going to God, do we? Nothing changes, though. He, he is steadfast. His love is, is, is immovable. It's the same. So do you, are you seeing this today? You know, so we got to fight back against the enemy. You got to know that this, there's a scheme there against your life. We got to fight back. Some of y'all got to get sick and tired of playing defense. I'm sick and tired of playing defense. I like to score some points. You know, I used to play football, and there's no greater feeling than scoring a touchdown for your team. It feels so good. It feels so good to play some offense. You know, we got the armor of God. You know what? Y'all know what the only offensive weapon we have is? It's this. It's this. This is it, the sword. Some of y'all got to get sick of playing defense. Defense. So we fight back by confessing Jesus is Lord, because he is. Every knee, every tongue, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess, even the devil. And we fight back by knowing his word. No, God says. Amen? So speaking of his word, let's go ahead and look at our foundational scripture for today. Uh, It's a big one. It's a big chunk, so bear with me. We're going to read the whole thing we've been looking at. Each account, gospel account, uh, of the birth of Jesus, and so today we're going to be looking at Matthew, chapter two, uh, verse one. We're going to go all the right way through sixteen. So uh, it says Jesus was, excuse me. It says Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea uh, during the reign of King Herod. About that time, some some wise men from eastern uh, eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem, asking, "Where is the newborn King of the Jews?" We saw his stars that rose, and we have come to worship him. King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this, as was everyone else in Jerusalem. He called a meeting to the leading priests and teachers of religious law and asked, Where is the Messiah supposed to be born? In Bethlehem in Judea, they said, for this is what the prophet wrote. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not least among the ruling cities of Judah. For a ruler will come from you who will be the shepherd for my people Israel. When Herod called for, then, sorry, Herod called for a private meeting with the wise men. And he learned from them the time when the star first appeared. Then he told them, go to Bethlehem and search carefully for the child. And when you find him, come back and tell me so I can go and worship him too. After this interview, the wise men went their way. And the star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It was ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. Verse 10. When, say when checking to make sure you're all awake. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house and saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshiped him. Then they opened their treasure chest and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. When it was time to leave, they reti- returned to their own country by another route. For God had warned them in a dream not to return to Herod. After the wise men were gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, Get up! Flee to Egypt with the child and his mother, the angel said. Stay there until I tell you to return because Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. That night, Joseph left for Egypt with the child and Mary, his mother, and they stayed there until Herod's death. This fulfilled what the Lord had spoken through the prophet called, I called my son out of Egypt. Herod was furious when he realized the wise men had outwitted him. He sent soldiers to kill the boys in and around Bethlehem, who are two years old and under, based on the wise men's report of the star's first appearance. So let's look at that next point. We have to believe that we have a part to play in God's story. Let me say that again. We have to believe, me and you, that we have a part to play in God's story. <clears throat> so there's a lot of scripture there, okay? There's a lot going on. You have to know that each person plays a certain part in God's divine story, amen? You have a part to play in God's story. That's pretty cool. I do too, amen? That's pretty cool. My part seems to be kind of big, actually. (laughs) Praise God. There's no greater calling. It makes me excited. But so let's just look at at each person. So we have Joseph, about to be the uh, first stepfather of the Son of God. Can you imagine that, how that would feel? Pretty big call. Not only that, he has to lead his family. He has to be strong for his family. He has to act like he's got it all together <laughs> on the outside. God told him, I need you to, to take the baby and your family and flee to Egypt to lead this family. My son, amen. We have Mary, the virgin mother. Of the Son of God. Can you imagine? She actually literally has to birth the hope of the world. No pressure. (laughs) We have the wise men. They're pretty cool. You know, and I kind of debated what their their true role was, and I'm not going to act like I, I know it all, but I feel like the Holy Spirit showed me, you know, God needed them to really reaffirm the faith of Joseph and Mary. Because have y'all ever, like, been praying? And just to confirm what, what <laughs> the angel had said, right? Because have you ever, like, asked God for to do something, and he, like, does it miraculously? And you're like, uh, maybe that wasn't God. I'm going to go ahead and, and, okay, God, if that was you, I need you to do this too. <laughs> so I think the, the wise men literally played a part in re- help reaffirming their faith and that this was the child of God, but also they had to be there to anoint Jesus as the king of Israel. The gifts that they gave are symbolic of the gifts of a king. The gold, the frankincense, the myrrh, they were there to literally worship him and anoint him. To to pave the way, amen? And And then I was kind of thrown for a loop, we have Herod, you know, he's he's the bad guy of our story, the antagonist. And I was just struggling. You know, God has a plan and purpose for him too, but I was just struggling liking this guy. He's trying to kill Jesus, right? And as I was sitting there studying this week, the Holy Spirit was just like, you just don't feel like you can relate to to Herod, do you? And I was like, well, no, he tried to kill Jesus. (laughs) And then he said, you know, Every time you you disobey the leadership of the Holy Spirit, when you don't listen to the Holy Spirit, you actually bring death to Christ in your life. And in doing so, you bring death to Christ in the world. And King Herod, what was he trying to do? Bring death to Christ in the world. That one's for free, but I'm sharing that because I don't think that was just for me that wasn't just for me so you know what did Simon Peter say to Jesus I'll never deny you (laughs) Jesus said you'll deny me three times for the rooster crows break that Simon Peter spirit in Jesus name praise God we're imperfect people serving a perfect God So we got to believe that you play a part in God's story. You know, and God, he doesn't need you. He wants you. God doesn't need me. God doesn't need Ian to help him. <laughs> but he wants me. And, and what do we do? What do we have a tendency to do about our wants compared to our needs? Don't we place our higher value on the things we want? <laughs> It's a lot funner going and buying a brand new plasma screen TV than it is going and buying toilet paper. <laughs> Isn't that great? We need it, man. But man, that TV, I want that thing. You know what? We're created in the, in the image of God, it says, right? So I believe we have, we have some attributes that are like God. He, he don't need us, but he wants us. He wants us. You have value. You have value. And you know how I know how valuable you are to him? Because he sent his best. He literally sent his best to pay for you and me. His perfect, most prized, beautiful possession that he had. He laid it on a cross for you and for me. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Have we established that we're valuable? That you play a part? You have a part to play. Amen? Your value and your role are directly related to the part you play in God's story. So maybe you're sitting here today and you don't really know what your role is. We've established you have one. So begin to just pray and ask and seek God through here, through the Word. God, what's my role? God, I want to be a part of your divine story. God, what do you have for me? Amen? Let's look at that next point. Uh, When we believe in the miracle of Christmas, we have to believe that we are game changers. Say game changers. changers. Let's look at John 17, 18. Uh, Just as you, this is Jesus speaking, just as you sent me into the world, I am sending them into the world. And there's another scripture that y'all don't have on the screen because the Holy Spirit literally just gave it to me last night. Reminded me of it. John 14, 12, and this is Jesus speaking. I tell you the truth. Anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done. And even greater works will he do because I go to the Father. There's no greater game changer than Jesus. (laughs) Right? He literally changed the game. When he said, amen, it's finished, and the veil was torn, the game was changed. Praise God, the game was changed. And we just read, he says, just as you have sent me in the world, I'm going to send them in the world. So Jesus came, and not just to die, he came to live. You know, before God could send Jesus to die for our sins, he had to send him to live. I feel like sometimes that's all we focus on God, thank you for dying for me. And he did that. But guess what? He had three amazing years where he changed the game in the world too: ministry, healing, blindness, deafness. He, he raised up 12 leaders, 12 disciples. You don't believe he had a mission on earth before he could complete his ultimate mission? You have a mission too. I have a mission too. Sometimes, I'm gonna I'm gonna admit, sometimes I'm just like, Lord, I'm ready. I'm ready to go to heaven. I can bet Jesus was like, Lord, I'm ready to go. But God, not my will. Your will. We have a work that has to be done. You know, anything is possible. God's miracle literally changes the game. When his love changes us, everything changes. When his love changes you, everything changes. Nothing might change exteriorly on the outside. It might look chaotic still. (laughs) But when you have his love and his peace in your spirit, everything literally changes. You can have a peace that surpasses all understanding in this place. And you can be a game changer for your family, a game changer at your workplace. You want to see some people with some wide eyes, just to play some peace on your workplace. People going crazy, everything's not working right, and you just have a confident, cool peace about you, this is gonna work out. Or even better, you step in and lead, and lead the charge, and then love on them afterwards. That's a game changer. That's a game changer. Let's look at that uh, next point. When we believe in the miracle of Christmas, we have to believe that we are significant to God's story. And we also have to believe that our lives are shaping history. Let's look at Romans uh, 8.28. And when we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to His purpose... For them. So you are significant to God's story, and your life can actually change and shape history. Your personal history, your family's history, the history of this church, the history of your workplace, the history of your children, the history of your children's children. I can tell you this, that I know this. Because you matter to God, have we established that you have value, that God values you? Because you matter to God, the world needs you. I'm going to say that again. Because you matter to God, I know the world needs you. The world needed Jesus, the light of the world, right? Why else did he send his son? Because the world was a dark, hurting, broken place. The world needs Jesus more than ever. Guess how we give it to him? Through us. Through our lives. God needs us to live too before we get to die (laughs) and enter in. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be great. But man, we got to put the work boots on. Amen. We have a divine mission, I believe. And I can tell you, I know this. If you live for him, your world will change and you will make history. I know that without a doubt. Chalk it up. If you live for him, your world will change and you'll make history. I can remember when I I moved here six, seven years ago now, entered into the Sunshine House, so thankful that Liberty Church took me in God literally saved me, changed my life, and I believe I'm not making history just for myself. I'm making history for my family. My family tree literally changed because of God's love. If you don't know, I'm married to Pastor Keith's daughter, a Sunshine House graduate. That's nothing I've done. That's the glory of God. My, My family tree, God literally just reformed my family tree. So I'm living... I have the baton of life. You have the baton of life. We're like in this race, and you have to hand that baton one day. So I'm going to hand that baton. I want to hand a baton of a legacy to my children and say, run. Run. When you can't run, walk. When you can't walk, crawl. So, that last point. If we believe in the miracle of Christmas, say believe, we have to believe that anything is possible. We've talked about all the impossibilities that God made possible. What are you praying, believing for right now in this season of life, in this Christmas season? What are you so desperately needing God to do in your life, to show up and show out in your life? if you've confessed and believed that that God could conceive a child in a virgin and she could have it and birth it into the world and he could grow up to become the savior of the world and go to the cross and pay for my sins and your sins and and save the world and and promise eternal life if you can believe in that why can't you believe him that he's going to show up in your life that big thing you need if it's, if it's, if it's, uh, deliverance from addiction, alcohol. He delivered me from alcohol. I haven't even, I don't even struggle with alcohol. I don't struggle when I drive by the liquor store. Glory to God. He, he, he can deliver me from addiction to pornography. He delivered me from addiction from pornography in Jesus' name. I don't struggle with that. He delivered me from all sorts of things, anger, Pride. Now, I get angry sometimes, and I get prideful sometimes. But the Holy Spirit changes our lives. Changes our lives. Because you matter to God, the world needs you. (laughs) Your family needs you. Keep the faith. Keep running. Amen. Amen. I'm going to ask everyone I'm about to close I'm going to ask everyone just to bow their heads uh, close their eyes we're getting ready to pray I'm going to go ahead and just feel like the Holy Spirit wants me to give two invitations the first invitation is for anyone here sitting this morning you've already surrendered your heart to Christ and you're living for Him but just this morning as we've been just diving into this message and seeking the Lord He's been speaking to you and showing you you just feel like you've kind of your faith level you just don't have that faith factor anymore those things you used to have big faith about you've kind of just let your faith fire just dwindle down to like a kindle you're just barely holding on and you need God to show up in your life and you want to just begin starting today to just start living with a this new belief this childlike faith that God I'm going to believe you for any and all things because anything's possible because I believe in the miracle of Christmas. If that's you this morning, I want you just to, to simply and boldly just raise your hand. Just raise your hand. This isn't for me. This isn't for anyone next to you. This is for you and you and God and God alone. Hallelujah. There are hands going up. Church, thank you. Thank you. And if that's you, I'm going to ask you just to begin to just pray to God right now. Just begin to just worship Him. Just worship for who He is. Thank Him in, thank him in the gap, this gap that you're in. God, I'm in the gap, but I'm praying, I'm believing that you're gonna show up. And we just ask him for forgiveness. Forgive me for doubting you, Lord. You are Lord over all. God, and I will praise you. Amen. My second invitation is for anyone who has never surrendered their heart to Jesus Christ. If that's you today, you've never had that moment where you've literally just told God, God, I give up. I can't do this anymore. I'm done fighting. I can't do this anymore. I just, you never had that moment where you just surrendered to God, literally just surrendered in exhaustion because you've been fighting him the whole time. You've been fighting him the whole time. And you're done fighting today. Hallelujah. Today is your day. If that's you, I'm going to ask you to do something very simple and bold. Just simply raise your hand. It's not for me. It's not for anyone next to you. This is your moment with God. Hallelujah. Their hands going up. The church rejoices. Heaven rejoices. God knows exactly who you are. He knows where you are. He knows your name. And he is so happy that you have surrendered to him. usher is going to come and give you a packet. Just don't let that interrupt you. Just a believer's packet. Just this is your moment between God. I'm going to give you a few more seconds. I'm going to ask us all just to repeat a prayer. I'm going to lead us. I'm going to ask the whole church just to repeat it after me. Dear Heavenly Father, God, we thank you. We love you for who you are. God, we believe in the miracle of Christmas. God, and we believe in your son, that he's strong enough to take away the the sins of the world. God, forgive us for our sins. It's in your son that we confess our faith. We thank you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Go ahead and give him a round of applause. God is good, amen.